All the latest news, views and reaction to the A-League, the Socceroos and Australian football. This is 442FM. And thank you for tuning in again to another issue of 442 FM. I am your host, Adam Jackson. We are in, back in the broom cupboard. We have got no cameras, no view, just four blokes talking football. How it should be. With me, Kevin Az. G'day. Con Stamacostas. Great to be here. And Tom Stelzer. How's it going? Back for another pod. Right. Um, we've got another opening question again today. In, in a week where Johnny Warren was immortalised in bronze outside the Allianz Stadium... Um, I pose the question to you: um, If you could choose a legend from Australian football, to who would it be, and um, outside which stadium would it be, um, Kev? Um, I've got two answers actually. The first one is Ruben Zadkovic, uh, and I want a bronze statue of him collecting, picking up the ball from outside every single stadium that he's booted out of while trying to score. Uh, or the alternative is Scott Jemison outside any stadium, basically. But, like, we've got that statue outside the Queen Victoria building in Sydney that uh, talks to you and tells the life story of a uh, little dog or whatever it is. <laughs> um, Scott Jamison would, as soon as you walk past, he would just start sledging you <laughs> randomly <laughs> and quite abusively until you uh, retaliated and got a yellow card. Very nice. Very nice. Con? Um, I would have a statue outside every A-League's club stadium. And the statue would be the worst buy they've ever bought. The worst player they've Ooh, ever bought. So nice. it would be outside um, Newcastle would be, um, what's the Brazilian? Jardel. Jardel. yeah. Outside Adelaide would be Romario. Um, outside Sydney FC would be like a bunch of... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just be a queue. Just a queue of... Um, nondescript imports. Um, the lineup from so, the usual suspects. Yeah, you, uh, outside Perth would be Brian Dean, and just so we never forget. Yep, that's not bad. Yeah, not good bad. Cool. I, I like that one, Tom. Well, I think when we think about iconic moments in Australian football, qualifying for the World Cup 2006, and probably the most infamous moment of that is Craig Foster yelling out Johnny Warren at the top of his lungs after. <laughs> We qualify, so what I do is I have a statue of Craig Foster screaming that out right next to the Johnny Warren statue. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Before bursting into tears. Yeah. I think he'd, be, he'd, be, he'd like the association as well, I think. Nice, nice. Um, I am going to go for a um, statue of Tim, Timmy Cahill, um, outside Shark Park in the Shire. Um, almost as a nod to, uh, here's what you could have won, South Sydney. <laughs> 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 right, well, talking of Tim, um, we'll move on. And, Just uh, before we do, um, Johnny Warren's statue. Actually, last night before the game, I took a picture and stuck it on Facebook and got a shitload of likes of him. Uh, somebody put an Australian scarf yeah. around his neck. Uh, and I thought it was a really nice touch. But in Glasgow, we've got the big Duke of Wellington statue, big bronze statue. And it's become a tradition that that always has a traffic cone on its head. <laughs> and it, it's such an iconic Glasgow thing that I actually featured in the opening ceremony for the, the Commonwealth Games. Really? They, they brought in the Duke of Wellington statue with the traffic cone on its head. <laughs> <laughs> ah, 
So what I was thinking was, I think Johnny Warren should always have an Australian scarf on. Yeah. Mm. Just forever. Not before games. All the time. Always. Yeah, if you ever walk past and, and it's not one, there's not one there, put one on. Put one on. Yeah. yeah. Okay, 442 FM listeners, let's make sure that happens. Um, but the Socceroos, um, anyone else disappointed with how they performed over the last two oh, games? Oh, shocking. <laughs> I mean, really. When will this era end? Uh, um, well, we could always do better. We that's, can. We that's can. When I spoke to Johnny Warren's daughter uh, about the statue, that's what um, she, she was saying. We could always do better. That's what her, Johnny Warren always said. He'd still want blood now. And I think, I was thinking about this before I went to sleep, that, you know, that's that's something to think about because, it's, you know, who's Kyrgyzstan? How do you say it? Who, who, <laughs> Which country are you trying to say? Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyzstan. Who's, Kyrgyzstan. But you just a, conflated the whole of former <laughs> Soviet states well, I'm sh- I'm into sh- one country. I'm sure Tajikistan? they're all listening now. Kyrgyzstan? Um, such a Baron Cohen in his next movie, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Jordan, I mean, they they couldn't play away um, at a girl's house that they've just picked up at a pub <laughs> um, very well. Uh, did that make sense? Though? Yeah. But anyway, it yeah. It made more like, sense than the Kajikistan. You know, talking to Harry, talking to Harry, listening to Harry Redknapp, what he said after the... Uh, at the press conference, you know, they don't have an analyst. They don't have any sports mm. science. They, the players aren't fit. So, you know, we can't get too excited. Let's get excited. I, th- I think what we're getting excited by is the relative improvement from what we were even just a few years ago. That That's, I mean, I don't think anybody's making the mistake of thinking we're a world-dominating power mm. uh, in men's football at the moment. Uh, but we've come on so far in the past few years under Ange compared to what we were doing under Pym and Holger. And the difference is that we were playing regressive, uh, defensive, um, insular uh, defensive football under them. And now we're playing expansive, vibrant, thrilling, Mm. exciting, ferocious attacking football. And we're getting wins with glutz of goals. And whereas before we might have been getting wins, but we weren't dominating matches yeah. by any manner of means. And that's what we were all crying for, out for at the time. It wasn't enough just to, to win the match. We had to dominate the match. And that's what we're now doing, and that's why everyone's excited. We're not thinking we're going to take on Spain or Germany and uh, necessarily win in a competitive environment. But we do can see exactly the direction we're going in, and it's exactly what we want. And we've got so much depth and talent there uh, that it's just the most exciting time to be an Australian, as Malcolm Turnbull might say. (laughs) A a, a common theme that I found through um, the last weekend of listening to either Ange or pretty much any of the players, they have this kind of don't take a a back step or don't step back mentality. And and in every interview, it always comes out. And it just shows how much Ange is drilling that into them. And uh, Sainsbury said on um, Shootout on Sunday night or whenever it was, um, that um, because Cosy was asking him, are you going to change your style if you came up against Japan or South Korea? And he was like, no, we we don't change our style. We go and attack. And and whether we play in Spain or uh, Brazil or Japan or Korea, we're going to go out and play the same way. And that is, that's so exciting. It is, and I, I think that the important thing to remember is we're not there yet. This is not a finished job, finished end product. We're still evolving. We're still finessing uh, and uh, you know shaving off the the rough corners. So 
we won't take a backward step, we are going to get some serious thumpings still. Mm. It's still going to happen. Uh, from time to time, we're going to get a shellacking. But it's all part of the process that is going to make us a better team at the end of it. Uh, and yeah, I just, I'm so excited by mm. what the Matildas are doing and by what the Socceroos are doing. It's just, it's the best, most exciting national teams I've seen. In Ange, we trust, Tom? Yeah, I think the evidence is there is that, I think, like I've saying, it's a progressive brand of football now. It's so professional the way they approach even these early qualifying rounds that they go out, get the job done, but they are looking to improve, to build on it, and to, you know, yeah, look to the future, look to the next qualifying round, look to the World Cup. And there's a clear philosophy there that I think, no matter what players are coming in, whether they're from over like overseas or in the A-League, everyone's coming into that team and playing with a unified style and philosophy, mm. and it's you know reaping de- dividends now. Mm. You, you said the improvements. Then, where can you see key, key improvements are needed in that in, in the squad? Obviously, we've just come off the back of a seven-nil and a five-one win, but you know when we do take that step up and, and have to play the likes of Japan, Korea, and, and hopefully the World Cup in twenty eighteen. Judging off the the two games in the last week or so, I'd say we lack a bit of ruthlessness going forward, I think, especially against Tajikistan. Obviously, the quality of the opposition isn't necessarily amazing, Mm. but we had so much space to play in, especially in the attacking third, and we wasted so many chances. I thought it was the same against Jordan. There's a lot of times we had the ball out wide. We needed to show a bit more composure there, and you you don't get those chances against good sides, and so we need to take them when those opportunities present themselves. Mm. I I think, you know, the the, uh, lackey on the wing is a big question mark for me. Um, he squanders those opportunities he has in front of goal. His uh, final pass is lacking very often. Um, when you put him up against Cruz and the quality of uh, game you get from Cruz versus the quality against Lecky, I don't think there's any comparison at all, to be honest. you know His strike rate is bloody awful, Lecky's, uh, for a man who plays in that position. Two goals in 30 games? For the Socceroos, mm. I mean that's just dismal. Uh, I actually I made a joke about it on Twitter during the Tajikistan game uh, and said, uh, "Recall the Zrilich chant about uh, I saw Lecky go, but nobody believed me." And <laughs> <laughs> one of the agents called me a dickhead for that, but I stand by it. One of the agents. Oh, that's hilarious. I I agree. Uh, and w- w- when I was switched, I was switching sides. A lot of the time as well, and you, and for someone like Cruz who's been now injured, that was his first start since the Asian Cup for the Socceroos, and to come back in and set up those goals, but and Lecky who's mm-hmm. playing regularly, he's, you know he's got over like I think twenty eight games this season mm-hmm. in the in the um, Bundesliga, and uh, Cruz has just you know been coming back, spent a bit of time on loan. And he was—he looked amazing. But yeah. when the, the same chances that came to Lecky, he fluffed them. Yeah. But when when Cruz got on the ball, it just looked so much so different. And uh, I don't know how long Lecky, how long is Ange going to let Lecky play like that? And especially against weak opposition, he didn't even look that good against mm. Tajikistan. Well, um, he he got himself in positions that he should have finished. Uh, that's the thing, you know. He he's got speed. And he's got a bit of vision, but he's just not got that final ball, uh, whether it's finishing or whether it's passing. Uh, it's not there. I, I think we've said this for a while about Lecky, especially pre-Asian Cup. And, and actually, he, he didn't have a bad 
Asian Cup. You know, he, he made some key. Um, there were some key parts of uh, of the Asian Cup that that, were, yeah. that he, he was involved in. Um, but but yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. We, we've come to this point now where he isn't getting that final product, and we've he's one of Angie's favourites. You know, he's played most of the games. Yeah. I mean, when we did that, um, the list of how many um, call ups each player had had. You know, Lecky's been there for pretty much every camp and played most games. You wonder how many, how much that's got to do with uh, Cruz's injuries, though. I mean, if Cruz yep. hadn't been injured so much, would Lecky have? Would they have found a replacement for Lecky by now? Mm. Um, I think he's keyed out the way Ange wants to play. So maybe that's why there's not really. We've got heaps of midfield players, but in terms of the wide, fast players, I think there's really yeah, not. That I think many oppor- other players that are we, knocking on his door. Right? We've got options in most positions across the field. But yeah, I think we are lacking in just that that final wing yeah. play. Uh, I mean, Tom Yor potentially uh, could come in and take one wing and Cruz swaps over. Um, but Tommy Yor is lacking game time as well and fitness, so mm. it might be an option further down the line. So, um, Tom, you mentioned about kind of that cutting edge um, up top. Do you, do you think we are still a little bit too reliant on Tim? I mean, it's it's such a strange case with Kale in that. It's the dilemma of he's. I think you know he's getting to the the twilight of his career. Obviously, there's a lot of up and coming players there that you know we've tried out in the past and that we're going to need to have someone in place for the future because Kale's not going to be here forever. But every time he plays, he scores goals. He's not really necessarily adding that much else to the team. But um, I feel that you know he's again last night he comes on and he scores two goals out of nothing. He's the rest of his play. Nowadays, he's pretty limited, but mm-hmm. if you have someone that's guaranteed to score goals most games, then it's hard to leave him out. I feel that you know we should definitely be looking at using him more as an impact sub going forward, and we do need to build the team around a different, you know, attacking mm-hmm. setup. But you know, for the time being, it's it's hard to debate when he's you know almost got a hat trick again. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's a, a null and void argument. To be honest, I mean, we won five nil, five one last night. Uh, Kale only scored two of those. We got three from three other separate yep. players. Uh, we still have uh, Economides and uh, Giano to uh, start scoring as well. Give them more game time, and they're going to get onto the the, uh, the score sheet. Uh, and Asian Cup, you know, I think what was it, eleven goals from ten different players. Mm. Uh, we have alternatives. There is other players coming through. We're playing Kale because he's still worthy of a place in the team, not because we rely on him. Um, and um, he's, he's nearly scored 50 goals as well. Yeah. Country. As well, uh, hear a little bit about him. You know, every single interview I've done, it's been the same. Everyone's been looking to pick holes in the team, pick holes in the manager, and now they've got to write something positive. So um, these young players are fantastic. The Tajikistan game, the players that come in there, the players that come in tonight, and it's all strategically done. You know, we're all monitored every single day, even when we go away. And when we come into camp, there's players that are not here that are sitting at home watching the game thinking, oh, I wish I could be part of this team. So they're going to work just as hard because a few of them you know, have got a, a, are all applying their case to, to be part of this setup. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see. I know you say it's all about the team, but it's three goals to go. It is what it is. You know? People thought I wasn't going to get to 40. People yeah. said I wasn't even going to make the last World Cup. They said I wasn't going to make the Asia Cup. It isn't, it isn't about me. 
the boss calls me, I'm going to play. But if the boss if the boss wasn't here, I wouldn't be here. And that's straight up. Everyone knows that. Um, I believe in him. He believes in this in this team. And uh, my role here as a mentor and as a footballer is to make these boys as as good as they possibly can. And I play every game like it's my last. So that was Tim, and he mentioned there. Um, I'll skirt over the bit where he's slating the media, but um, uh, <laughs> um, he, he talks there about um, him being a mentor for the for the younger players. And, and, and on the the Fox Sports coverage yesterday, he was talking to the the panel about um, some of the key players that have come through. Kind of, not, I wouldn't say under his under his wings, but um, you know, a, a lot that he's seen grow substantially. And Moy Luango is is one of those. Um, so do you think like is it an opportunity for for Cahill to take on that mentorship role, still be there at part of most camps, um, but maybe as, as you may have mentioned, be an, an impact sub, but be there as a as almost like a secondary captain to the squad? Con? I think Cahill's message is just give the ball to me. <laughs> <laughs> Always give the ball to me, um, but. He was saying um, in his in his uh, in the mix zone there that you know he wants to be a mentor and he's helping players like Giannu, but um, how much help does he really want to give Giannu? Who's going to you know in the future if he does well going to take his spot? Mm. But you know, Kale's such a massive presence um, in the Socceroos, and uh, sure he's going to mentor the players, but his big responsibility is scoring the goals. I think mentoring, yeah. You know, it's good to have him around the, the squad and everything, but his ultimate responsibility is scoring the goals. And if he keeps on doing that, you know, everyone's... Even he was bringing it up. Everyone's saying, you know, um, we need a successor. Um, those buzzwords are always coming about. We can't have Cable playing all the time. Mm. But if he keeps scoring, like Tom's saying, you can't... You know, he's going to be there. But <coughs> is that a... You know, the other question is, is that a good thing that we've got someone who's 34, 35, 36... 36, yeah. 37, 38. Um, <laughs> you know, leading, those leading right. the line. Um, and I think one of the great things was Giannu coming in just provides a different kind of... I mean, he, I don't know how many assists, three or four assists. He's such a different player yeah, the, to Cahill. That, like, Cahill will never provide standard. four assists or three assists. Um, and I also think I'd like to see Giannu leading the line and... Seeing how we play around, how we play with him, you know, if he's able mm. to get behind the defense, if he's got it, you know, uh, if he can shoot from distance, if he can provide little one twos around the box, I'd love to see that. So, mm. so fair enough, um, dropping Cahill for a game that we win 7 0 against Tajikistan, yeah, um, and going with the you know, Gianni and, and, and your more youth players, but. You know, we play the next round of qualification. We get a, you know, we keep saying, but we, it could be a Saudi Arabia, it could be um, Korea, Iran, Japan. Do we do, do we start Cahill because we, because we know what he's capable of, or is there I, I is there a chance of? We it? always start our best team, the best available team. Is um, that does that have Cahill in it? Do you think at the moment? Yes, it does. Uh, you know, I think what we fielded last night was pretty close to our best team. Uh, and that's got to be the the template going forward. And when the goals start drying up for Timmy, then you know we we start to look elsewhere and give other people the, the first opportunity. In less important games, then we can give you know uh, somebody else a, a shot up front. And I can see Jano coming in uh, and uh, possibly getting his debut goal against Greece in mm. June. I'm, I suspect he'll probably get two starts <laughs> uh, and two opportunities. Um, the other thing the 
The other role that Cahill plays, though, is the centre of attention for the media with the Socceroos, and there's not many people in that side at the moment that are willing to step up and take that role if he was to go. Uh, Moy is notoriously quiet, shy and humble. I've never seen or heard someone the way they are with the media be so shy. And the difference between the way he plays... And that ruthlessness that he has at the moment with the mm. with the way he's you know um, the form with the A League and, and transferring that to the Socceroos, he's he's our best player at the moment. Yeah, and that's what Andrew's saying. He's the best Australian player, definitely. And you've also got Rogic as well, who's again in the similar mold of mm. very yeah. quiet, shy, retiring kind of guy who shuns the the spotlight. So like, you know, when you've got somebody like Cahill there, that actually plays a really important role because if he wasn't there, the focus would be going on these players who are very uncomfortable yeah. with it and you know it, it may unsettle them and put them off the game but I, I think Mass as well to a certain extent is the same you can tell he's had some good media training yeah. because he can you know he yeah. can talk and he, he talks quite well um, even though he does have a slight English accent um, well last I, I night <laughs> last night at the mix zone there was seven players that came out I've never usually it's like three or four mm. five but seven of them came out and they were all. Um, I thought they were all. They spoke very well. Rogic seemed to be brash too. Like someone was asking him about his injury, and he, and he goes, "I don't mean to bring up your injury." He goes, "Yeah, but you just did," and he just said, "But it, he goes, but it was never in doubt mm. the way he was going to be able to perform like this." So it was. It was talking himself up, and um, even Moy was being a bit. Uh, not. I wouldn't say cocky, but. When he was talking about his um, wanting to go overseas, he just stood there. Like I think I asked him, I go, "What's Aaron Moy going to do next?" And just stood there and looked at me like for ages. And he goes, "I've always said I always I want to go overseas. Mm. I've always said that." Like what are you talking about? Stupid! Like that's a stupid question. Like I've always <laughs> said that. So it's really good to that seven of them came out. And I think Tim Cale, yeah, he's the man. But, you know, slowly these other guys, are, you know, the more they play, the more they're going to come out of their shell and, mm. and show their personality. And that's what people want to see. Let's just listen to what Cruz had to say. Yeah, it was a great game. Um, personally, I'm really happy with how I went. Um, yeah, it's been my first game since uh, for a year and a half, well, a year, almost a year and a half since the Asian Cup. So um, it was important for me to put in a good performance personally. And obviously, collectively as a team, it was a, a great performance as well. You had a sensational first half, and after what you've been through, it must have felt like heaven. Yeah, it did. Um, you know, it's been a difficult time for me. Uh, you know, mentally, it's quite tough. Um, you know, sitting back watching other people, you know, playing your position as even though you, you wish them all the best. Um, you know, I really felt I had to put in a good performance today to remind people that I um, can still play at, at a top level, and um, you know, I still have a lot of football left in me. So. Uh, I hope I've proved a lot of people um, that I, like I said, that I can play at this level and, and, and better. And you know, I'm feeling a lot stronger mentally and physically from uh, my love, from what I've been through in the last few years. Um, you know, it's it's. That was Robbie. Um, good to see him back. I, I, I enjoyed watching him. Watching him. He was he was brilliant. He's that just time. such a magnet for reckless tackles. His entire career has been marked by people just slicing him in half every opportunity. Uh, If you were his uh, sports physio, you must make a fortune (laughs) driving around in Aston Martin thanks to the injuries (laughs) he gets. Insane. Um, 
Right then, so the next phase of qualification. Um, it's pretty confusing all this, isn't it? I was, uh, I've, I've had to look through this quite a few times. So the draw will be taking place on the 12th of April. So we've got a couple of weeks and the 12 teams that have qualified, we've got Saudi Arabia, Australia, Qatar, Iran, Japan, Thailand. Thailand? Qatar mm. qualified? Yeah. Oh, I thought they didn't qualify. First team to qualify. And Korea Republic, Uzbekistan, UAE, China, Syria, and Iraq. So um, Thailand, I, I'm, that's, that's amazing to see them. Yeah, they've mm. been a, a whipping boys of uh, uh, of Asian football. So um, good to see them representing in the next round. So the top two, so those twelve teams will be split into two groups, um, and the top two teams from each group will automatically progress to the FIFA. 2018 World Cup um, the two third place teams in each group will play off to the chance to participate in the last chance inter-confederation playoff fixture against CONCACAF so, the fourth um, place side oh CONCACAF's better yeah. that's a good draw usually we've the oh, just had yeah well no it's Oceania that goes into South America isn't it yeah right okay. and then cause it, it was Mexico wasn't it that played off against um, oh no that was um that was New Zealand last World Cup, wasn't it? Mexico. I think they, they rotate, don't they? They swap right. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, well, that's good. <clears throat> um, so, out of those 12, well, let's talk about the top four really there. So, Saudi, Iran, Japan, Korea. And, you know, going to end up getting two of those four, really, if we're, well, pretty much guaranteed. There's the Qatar in there as well, as you said, qualified pretty strongly. Um, UAE just scraped in, but you know, a decent team to boot. Any any of those that you would desperately want to um, avoid? Well, you don't want Japan. Well, it depends on the seedings, right? If Australia is not in the top four, then we could have possibly, you know, Japan and Iran in the same group, or Korea. Um, Korea and Japan in the same group, so, so you don't want the, you don't want an away trip to Iran. Yeah, like that's just. So we're, um, de- we're definitely top four. So it was the it was the Saudi Arabia game last night that if they would have won, I think they could have knocked us out to the top four. But I think we're either third or fourth okay. seeded. Well, that's good. Um, you know, uh, you'd like uh, Qatar in your group, um, Thailand, uh, Uzbekistan's a tough one, but I mean it's it's all tough. Tough teams mm. at this stage, right? We should be able to beat any of those. Yeah. That, that's what Andrew's mentality is going to be. There's no reason why we can't come away with a result from all of those. Japan will be the toughest to get a result against, as we know from previous experience, but we can also beat them uh, quite easily. Mm. And, yeah. You think we, we, we can beat Japan quite easily? We could j- beat Japan mm. quite easily. Mm. Right then. Socceroos chat. Done. Right, let's move on to the A-League. We'll quickly run through some of the games from from the weekend. Starting off on Friday night um, was Victory versus Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, A man that has got quite a lot of criticism so far um, for being uh, being the Australian marquee in um, Bozanic. Um, Stepped up, scored scored the two winning goals. And um, and actually, Victory looked pretty good. Is, Is this them fighting back? Well, I don't think I want to talk about the A League after what's happened, <laughs> <laughs> especially after that's what Melbourne you hit um, uh, played off a script, and the Wanderers didn't help us at all. So, well, Bazanic finally delivered, right? And if you're going to make an appearance and you know score two goals, this is the game to do it. Yeah. 
and good on him for that. Uh, I think Victory were lucky that Georgeski wasn't sent off. And, um, yeah, the Wanderers just really weren't in it. Do you think, think. think that sending off for Georgeski, that would have been at 1-0, was it? Could that, think, yeah, yeah. So. could that have changed the, the course of play? I think it definitely could have, but I feel like the, the Wanderers, again, they're slightly toothless in attack. They they play well, but they just can't seem to find the back of the net at the moment. I thought Nichols was quite good, but there was just no... Yeah, they didn't do enough to really to get back in the end. There was obviously mm. two well-taken goals, but it's a worrying trend for the moment for Wanderers that they, you know, they've won a lot of games last minute, but lately they've struggled to score enough goals to win games, and going into the finals, that's going to be a problem. Pierre Vicari, do you chuck him in? I don't think so. It's not going to happen, but... I'd love Pierre Vicari to come back. You know, I'd love him. The fans don't like him, the media have shit on him from above. <laughs> <laughs> he would. That would be a great redemption story. We love a redemption story, yeah. right? And him just popping up and doing some damage in the final series or towards the end of the series to help them get the le- maybe win the league or mm. the Premier's play, that would be amazing. Be some sort of like Hollywood film. You could, yeah. you could make a Hollywood film yeah. out of it at the end. Um, and but... him just eating pizza at the end, just saying... <laughs> But yeah, Wanderers. uh, Could this be? Could this be them stepping off now? I I can't see them making the top two now. Well, who do you think? So they've got. They've obviously got the Mariners. They've got the Mariners the next game, which you know is is three points, and then and then Phoenix to to finish off. So well, they've got a good draw. So they've got the last two games are, are, are looking pretty good for them, but all all it takes is. Um, it, you, you basically need City and Raw to kind of run away with it or yeah. Adelaide to come up behind so you, the, the key game here for me this round coming up is Perth sitting in Perth so you know if Perth can take points off City then again it opens it up and, and Wanderers have got a chance um, if they did end up coming through and just sneaking it in the last minute for me it's not it wouldn't be deserved no, I don't think so I mean given how tight it's been really half the season now and the way some teams have been playing is that you could almost make the case that six te- or five or six teams or no I wouldn't say six Melbourne don't count um, <laughs> yeah. five teams almost deserve to win it but arguably all five of them don't deserve to win it at all because it's of very how good inconsistent point. everyone's been yeah. I think Wanderers have been as good as anyone else but also as inconsistent as anyone else mm. and that it's really going to I think they have yeah, quite two quite straightforward games to finish the season on but who knows? If they take six points, they're in with a shot. Yeah. Who knows if they will? But Melbourne victories don't discount them. If they re- regain the same form that they did uh, earlier in the season, and I think there was a press conference today with Valeri. Do you know what happened there? Um, I don't know if he was no. coming back or. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So victory could could be a dark horse. Uh, I, I agree with your point. Like. Five teams deserve it, and they also don't deserve it for their inconsistency. Mm. But you, you want to—I reckon the top three are the ones that are, you know, most most likely to do some damage. Well, victory can't compete for the for the top spot, but you know, you're right. If they find a bit of form now, the next game is Phoenix away again, which is very very winnable, and then last game of the season, Roar at home. 
So that could be that's going to be crucial for Raw, who will need to win that to yeah. to have a chance of winning. And and again, Raw have got Jets away this this weekend. So you know, pretty much all of that all of that top four five have got winnable games here. It's only Perth and and City that will take points off each other. Um, and then and then the fight it all comes down to the final day. So it'd be nice to to keep it as interesting going into the final day. I think it, the City play Adelaide on in the last round, and I think that could decide the title. Yeah. The way, even if it's, it could cost one of them the, the play if they lose the game, and someone might leapfrog them there. But mm. you could see them both being within touching distance of it going into that game. So moving on to the other the other games of the round, Jets versus Glory on the Saturday afternoon. And um, Keogh scores in seven consecutive games to equal the man Mark Yanko from last season. I liked his ability to count from one to seven. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Like scoring scoring a penalty is one thing, but being able to count <laughs> to seven afterwards—that's that's some uh, tactical and technical. How, how many of those seven were penalties? I think almost half of them. <laughs> yeah, it must be three or four. And Castro must be pissed off because he was taking them True. Yeah. before that. Yeah, yeah, um, He's got a great penalty technique though, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh, i just love to say that. Never, I, I've never seen anyone take a penalty so assured. You know, what he just strolls up and just kind of eases it into the corner wherever the keeper isn't. Brilliant. Um, but the, 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 the Bougard red card. That, I don't know. It's from behind. He doesn't. I think he makes. Isn't enough it from con- behind? You're off. From the, slightly from the side, I think, and he makes clear contact with the ball before he ever touches the player. I think yeah. it's a yeah. legitimate challenge. But the player is not standing up anymore. <laughs> it's, it's, to go it, from behind is so risky these days. They they just outlawed. Do you remember that World Cup where everyone was get, being mm. sent off when they first introduced it? Now they're not so strict. But I don't know. So are you saying that that wasn't a penalty, or are you saying it was a penalty but not red, or? Neither. For, for me, that's one of the worst decisions. I'm saying if you're around. a referee that plays by the rules, you have to give it. If you're a strict referee, you just have to give it from behind. That's, I don't think I there don't was not enough contact for it to be a foul. It was a tackle where he won the ball yeah. quite cleanly. He I goes think. he goes around the man and he gets the ball with his heel. Yeah. You know, it, I, I don't know. I don't the, know. The tackle from behind rule is. It is grey. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll give you that, but but for me that was a ridiculous sending off. I think it was the third replay that made me have doubt in my mind. The first two, I just went, and when I saw it live, I went, "No way!" Mm. I agreed with it, but then the third replay just made me just have a few doubts about it. So, mm. um, the Jets looked pretty good in that first half. Again, we've um, we've said this a few times um, about Jets in recent weeks. They've got the the makings of a of a decent team. And um, and maybe just do, do you think Miller will will stick around? Do you think he'll go in for another season? The way they've been playing the last couple of weeks, I think there's enough encouraging signs to say they've, they've got a foundation to build on next season. I think players like Nordstrom coming in as well mm. look pretty good. They've been, I suppose, slightly unlucky that results haven't gone their way in the last couple of weeks, and it's you know obviously now killed off any finals chances they had. Yeah, but I think there's enough there. That they're at least competing with the teams ahead of them, which is you know at least something to go off. Mm. Mm. And but Perth, do you think this is? Uh, do you think they could win it? Yeah, uh, I think because uh, they've got the funniest coach 
in the A League. Did you hear his post match press conference? No, I didn't. His, um, he's just got this. Not 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 the post match press conference. The post the the interview after the game um, with the Fox Sports uh, news. Uh, Fox, I've lost it now. <laughs> the Fox Sports um, person on the field, mm. and he's just uh, he's just got his group playing. Um, above themselves, I reckon, and uh, they've got a siege mentality. And to get them to play, to be in a position that the, in what they are compared to last year when everything just fell apart, mm. I think he's he's in, he's done amazing things. And um, I think Kenny Lowe can get them over the line. So uh, talking of Fox Sports, Daniel Garb was saying um, about how when he talked to Robbie Fowler. Um, and he said that Kenny Lowe was one of the best coaches he's ever had mm. in his whole playing career, which you know that's that, that's a pretty good. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, I'd, I'd be putting that on my CV if yeah. I was Kenny Lowe. And you can see how, what he's done to the team. Like they, they took a while to figure out which what's the what's the right mix of players, and once they've got the right uh, mix there, it's just been what's what's the wins now? Like eight out of nine, nine out of ten, just something ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. Very good, and we, we mentioned Raw, who, who sits second in the table. They um, um, <laughs> Con takes his hat off in in disgust. <laughs> um, on the bold patch. It, <laughs> so <laughs> Sydney, Sydney drew first blood as well, and actually this is one of the better performances from Sydney uh, of recent of recent weeks. Um, but Brisbane just killed them off in clinical clinical fashion. Um, it was it was good to we'll quickly touch on uh, on Sydney first before we start, before we talk about Raw. Um, it was good to see Holosko, and I think you know we've touched on him recently in, in recent weeks. But you know he's the danger man for Sydney at the moment, and it's you know if he would have been playing like this earlier in the season, you know he, he would have had a, he would have been touted as one of the one of the best signings of the season. Yeah, I think definitely the way he played against Brisbane shows what he is capable of, like, mm. which I think is you know the the frustrating part about it for Sydney is that. He's, you know, been arguably quite a flop this season, but there's been moments where he has looked very good. And if he'd found some kind of consistency or form throughout the season, I think Sydney's season would have, you know, been a completely different story. It's just so frustrating that it's come now when it's a slightly too late. Mm. And, I mean, it, it didn't even account for anything in the end. They okay. lost the game. Exactly. So this is 10 games without a win. Only Mariners um, have, have got worse form in the league. So the, the last win up was against Wanderers on the 16th of yeah, Jam. Yeah, that was a derby. And the, I was saying this um, to my girlfriend after the game. The The last 10 games has been like um, Charlie Brown. Did you, did you yep. watch yeah, the cartoon? Yeah, yeah. So Charlie Brown, there's, there's, there's that scene with, with that girl, I forgot her name, that's given a football and she's placing the ball on the ground and holding for Charlie Brown. Every time Charlie Brown goes to kick it, she moves it away. And that's what Sydney FC has been doing. We'll promise we'll win this time. We'll promise we'll win. And you're watching the game. There's got, you know, they're in the game as chances. Yeah. And then they just take the ball away and then just fall flat on their ass. And that's what, <laughs> that's what it's felt like the last 10 games. And especially this game, you've just made it to all. Yeah. You think there's a chance. Okay, like maybe there's a couple of, there's a few minutes left. And what does Brisbane do? Just... Stroll through. Stroll through. Yeah. It was literally off the kickoff. It yeah. was just unbelievable. And Matt Yerman is pointing at someone. I don't know who he was pointing at to mark someone. And it was him that just strolled away from the defender. 
I think you got the sense that Brisbane were playing within themselves, that they were happy at 2-1 to just see the game out. Obviously, Sydney got an equaliser, and then they went up a gear again and scored mm. within 20 seconds. You've, and that was the thing, is that Sydney huffed and puffed for so much of the game to try and get back into it, and then squandered it straight away. So, I know, I know everyone's linked this slump in form from Sydney to the Champions League, and, and, and I'm sure it does take, there's a lot of travel, but... The first Champions League game was on the 24th of Feb, so that's over a month. Yeah, it's um, after they well, yeah, after the last win. So, you know, it's it's taken its toll after that. But but before that, there was three, four games, yeah, four or five games. Sorry, that they they, they could and should have and should have been competing for. Should have been winning for this Sydney team. Um, it's it's been a, a huge flop of a season for Sydney. But on the other hand, Raw. Um, Petratos, we, we spoke about him last week again. Don't want to, don't want to keep repeating, repeating ourselves, but again, he was he was excellent. That the link up with McLaren for that second goal, he just knew he, he, he knew where McLaren was going to be, and he just floated it perfectly into his path. And you know that's that sort of play. It, credit goes to Aloisi's um, for that. You know they've really got the best out of out of some of those young players up in up in Brisbane. They deserve a lot of credit. Um, it was um, okay. Yeah. So um, so raw, raw or city, out of that top two, who do you think's who do you think's got the most? So raw, uh, as I said, played Jets this weekend, and then the last game of the season is is at Victory. Well, are you talking about who's going to win the the top of the competition or the grand yeah. final? Yeah, top of the league. Well, I I, I don't want to say I, to be honest. I think Brisbane's got it in them, but you know it depends on that last game against Victory. And there were signs that they fell asleep a little bit against Sydney FC. Mm. So they've they've got moments where they can concede goals, right? That's going to be their problem. If 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 they don't uh, shut up shop at the back and go to sleep a few times, not go to sleep a few times in the game, I think th- they've got a chance. But and the, but the saying that's the Melbourne City is the same as well. Um, I think the only team that's the strongest in defence in the in the top four is Adelaide United, possibly Western Sydney. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I just think Brisbane Raw's uh, to say the to go the short way. Brisbane Raw defence, if they mm-hmm. can shut up shop, they'll be okay. You mentioned the other, the other team in that top top three, Adelaide. They um, they romped past the Mariners. Roy of the Rovers did everything he could to uh, to try and get something out of that game. He just he looks a bit frustrated, doesn't he? Really, you know, he's doing. He scores two brilliant goals. That second was an absolute worldie. Uh, like goal of the season, you know, we, we've we've seen some good goals this season. We'll go. We'll come on to Navio's goal um, in the City game later, but uh, that was just unbelievable. Um. But Adelaide were just were just too strong for them, weren't they? This was, uh, it, you know, it is against Mariners, so they are going to face um, a better competition in Sydney next week, and then and then away at City for the for the last game of the season. So that arguably they've got the toughest running here. Would you agree, Tom? I say yes, but they'll be playing a Sydney team that whose season is effectively over, and I think that's that could be the biggest factor in the last two rounds. Is teams? I think it'll be the same for. Um, 
Brisbane next week is to play Newcastle. Newcastle now have nothing to play for. They might, you know, take their foot off the gas a bit. They roll over for Brisbane, and that's you know mm-hmm. an easy three points if that happens. And I think that's the thing here is that against you know Central Coast, obviously Sydney showed what can happen against them if you kind of switch off for too long. But I don't think Adelaide were over in doubt in this game when they needed to turn it on. They did. I mean, it was three goals in about ten odd minutes, I think. Yeah. Once they once they went ahead, it was a formality, really. I think. What about that Mork goal? Stefan Mock. Oh, he's... What was it, Andy Harper? He's the player of the A-League or something. He just lost it. Um, yeah, it's Stefan Mock. There's this thing with A-League players that go from club to club. They just crap one year. I'm not saying Mock's crap, but just mm. they don't produce. So, you know, they, the club moves them on or they want to leave. And then when they move to another team, they don't do anything. But Mock, what a difference yeah. moving to Adelaide United. Uh, he's, he continues that. He could be doing anything. Yeah, no, he was um, he, he was excellent. Um, GT equals a club goal scoring record: thirty goals in one hundred and twenty nine appearances. Um, you know, good to see him back scoring. Good to see him confident. But thirty goals in one hundred and twenty nine for your for your number nine. It's not brilliant return, really, is it? I reckon GT half of those if he just had a bit more confidence because I think it's all in the mind with Brucey. Mm. Just few inches here and there getting there earlier um, and not trying to smack it because he's all about the power he doesn't have the yeah. doesn't have a touch he could have scored a, you know half of them could have had another 20 or 30 goals but uh, yeah I'm really happy for Bruce yeah he definitely wanted that as well yeah. he was he was turning defenders trying to get that shot out early all through the game so um, he I think he tagged Mariners as the as the team he was going to score his goals <laughs> against uh, and he probably could have had a second as well really um, so the Reds stay close to top, just um, one point behind City and Raw uh, uh, joint leaders. Um, Adelaide have got the, the the superior goal difference to to Raw on thir- plus thirteen, as Raw have plus eight. So you know they're kind of in the driving seat there um, to to kind of make up that make up the ground. Um, they obviously just all teams now just have to win every game really. So. On to top of the table against Phoenix, Melbourne City. Um, who needs Aaron Moy? Who? When you've got Harry Navio and Bruno Fornaroli well, in th- sens- sensational form. I think that's the worrying thing for opponents of City is that it seems they only ever need two of the three to <laughs> destroy teams. Yeah. As long as they've got two of Moy, Navio, Fornaroli on the field, they just score bagfuls of goals it's going to be a fascinating game Perth against City on um, on Sunday that's going to be a great game excited to see that two teams free scoring firepower at both ends um, but on, on the other hand um, Wilco has been a, a really good signing for, for City so that's three clean sheets in the last four games and yeah. the other game they only conceded one goal you know they've come a long way and I think Melbourne City are going to do it the hardest out of all the other teams. They've got Glory away and then um, Adelaide United at home. And uh, I, I think they could do it. And if if they um, manage to get the two wins, I think you can say you know they deserve to be the Premier's plate winners because hmm. um, they've got the hardest run and they've been the most entertaining side this season. They probably haven't been consistent or changed... Like like Brisbane Roar and you know changed the way the A League's been played, but I think they've been the most uh, entertaining to watch. It's just 
a shame more fans don't agree. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I will be part of the fans next week. I'm, I'm going down to Melbourne to watch the Adelaide game, oh. so I will. I will be. I'll make up some of the numbers. Um, Fornaroli, twenty for the season now. Do you think there's any chance of keeping him in the A League next season? Um, I think there definitely is because you know if he's signed as a marquee for next year, they can obviously up his wages. I think he enjoys playing here. This is. I was looking at the stats. You know, this is the most fruitful part of his career. You know, anywhere he's been, he's mm. never scored this many goals before. I don't think so. He obviously likes playing here. He obviously has a great, you know, relationship or understanding on the field with Navio and Moy, amongst others. I think if they can, you know, agree on a price, then there's every chance he would be here next year. Mm. And if, if any team has got the financial backing to, <laughs> to keep someone like Fornarelli, it's, yes. it's got to be City, really, isn't it? Um, very good. So as I uh, as I said, this weekend's fixtures coming up: Western Sydney Wanderers will host Central Coast Mariners on the Friday night game. Um, on SBS and Fox Sports. Saturday, the early kickoff: Wellington Phoenix versus Melbourne Victory. Sydney FC will then host Adelaide on Saturday night. Brisbane Roar versus Jets on the Sunday early game. And as I said, the pick of the round for me: Perth Glory, Melbourne City, Sunday after, Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Sydney time, Eastern time. Um, City top, Raw second, Adelaide in third, Wanderers fourth. Glory 5th and Victory pretty much guaranteed that 6th spot um, to make the top 6. So the top 6 is pretty much done. Um, it's now to this, the next two weekends to see who will finish top. Con, that's all. Oh, Thanks for coming in today. No, my pleasure. Good to chat with you and also Tom. Thanks for having us. I have been your host Adam and we will speak to you next week. Bye bye.